Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today you're listening to myself, Mark Hirons, and David Airy. You've probably heard of David before, but if not, he's a designer, blogger, and author, most famous for this book, Work for Money, Design for Love. It's a fantastic book and definitely one of my favourites. We've got tons of posted notes in there, and we discuss it throughout the episode. And he's recently brought out a new book, Identity Designed, uh, The Definitive Guide to Visual Identity. Great book as well. Again, we talk all the way through this book throughout the episode. We talk about this contents, how it's produced, the process of making the book itself. So you get a good insight into this book and his others during this episode. A few other topics we talk about in this episode are clients, pricing, writing, project processes, staying fit and healthy as a designer. And we also go a little bit deeper at the end of the episode, as we always do. So please do stick around until the end. If you like this episode, please do give it a thumbs up if you're on YouTube and subscribe. Thank you to everyone who has done that so far. We've just hit a thousand subscribers and that's just amazing. Uh, and if you're on iTunes, please do leave a review. That really would help us get up the rankings. And there's other ways you can help out the podcast down below, but basically just sharing it around. I'll also leave the links to the books down in the description below and a few of the show notes and podcast links down in the description. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. This is my chat with David Airy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure. Nice. Yeah. So you're obviously the new books coming out. Well, it's already out now, isn't it? Yeah, it was launched in January, the end of January. And yeah, it's, it's sold out the first print run. So I can't complain about that. Although it would be nice to have a few more copies because obviously I'm, I'm UK based and it's not currently available on Amazon UK. Yeah. But it will be, you know, you can still buy it and you'll get it sent to you as soon as, as soon as it's ready. So. Okay, that's why this one took so long. Yeah, so I've got one here. Uh, that's nice. probably why it, it came on Friday, so I had to quickly scan through it um, uh-huh. for this. But yeah, it's all good. And um, did, you, did you buy that on, on Amazon? Yeah, on Amazon, yeah. yeah. Did you have to wait ages then, did you? Yeah, a little wait, yeah. Well, thanks very much for picking up a copy. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, I was, I was listening to... Actually, yeah, we'll do this bit first. So how did you get into design and like sort of um, what, what strikes the passion? How did I get into it? Well, at college, I was on a, an art and design course, and design was the subject that I preferred. I found it more interesting, um, probably because uh, the, the quality of my, well, my students, the students that were around me, they weren't as, they weren't as good as, the, as they are now. You know, the, I can see that the gap that has come up. Uh, if I look at student work now, I think back to my time as a student and think, well, what is happening? You know, the the work that I did back then would never have made any student's portfolio today. Put it that way. No, it's just right. it was pretty amateurish. And and yeah, you're how long ago was it when you were a student? Um, I'm twenty, so I don't know, two, three years, two years. Uh, and I guess you still have. Do you have a portfolio that includes your student work in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and. If I put my student work in my portfolio, I wouldn't get any any clients at all. There would be there been no mission. So when I was when I was studying, it just what was the question again? How did I get into design? Yes, yeah, so how did you get into it? Yeah, how did you, like, what strikes the passion for it? It's the fact that it's always different depending on the client that you work with. You know, it, it, yeah. despite the fact that I love designing identities and logos, it's not always the same. I can learn. I can learn so much depending on who I'm working with and who approaches me. So yeah, it's the same output generally, but the input is always very different. So it, it keeps it fresh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you find that just seeing your work out there as well, that sort of 
Uh, that's that's like, amazing. It's part of the passion for it. Yeah, it's, it's great when that happens. And unfortunately, with most of my clients being overseas, I don't yeah. generally get to see the end result in person. But you know, when you see photos and you know, yeah, it's it's nice. I like that part of it definitely. It's, it's cool that you're working overseas. Like, that must be. Are they, are they fairly like corporate clients or are you fairly big clients or what sort of clients do you get? It ranges. It could be a one-person startup. It could be a company with 100 people in it yeah. um, and anything in between. So it's, 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 it's pretty incredible when I think about how it came about, you know, just starting a few design blogs. And yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how most of my business comes in is people finding me online. Um, in terms of my marketing, that's really what it is, is keeping my websites fresh. And then the, the books help too because – the occasional client will pick up my book in a, in a bookstore and then get in touch with me that way. That's cool. That's really cool, actually. Uh, and that, then I was listening to um, a podcast for you and Ian Padgett, the Logo Geek, and uh, he, you mentioned on it about the 1% of people that start a podcast, or 1% of people that start a blog. Um, so what was, your, what was your reasoning for starting the blog? Like, what, why did it start? It was, it was initially started to really just to keep my website updated more regularly than the projects that I was churning out because clients were really thin on the ground for me when I started. And when I started, I was, I was employed. Well, I wasn't employed. I had a retainer client for three days a week. And then the other two days I would work on building my, my online presence. And so it took quite a while before I would get any clients through my website. And because of that, Someone might have told me a bit about SEO and that, you know, you keep your website updated. It will help people find you. It'll make it a bit easier for them. So I started publishing blog posts aimed at clients and telling them more about what they can expect from me and, you know, what makes a good logo, that type of thing. But then I kind of switched it because the comments that I was getting on my blog posts were from other designers and, um, then I kind of got into a small group of designers who had their own blogs and we each commented on, on each other's websites. So my, my posts tended to switch toward speaking to designers instead. And that's kind of how the, the audience grew a bit more. And then as designers had their own blogs and websites, they would then link to my articles, which would get me up in the search rankings a bit more. So I found it more beneficial to talk to people who were doing the same thing rather than designers or rather than clients, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But inevitably clients would find the work anyway, they'd find the websites. So, so it, it helped in both respects. That's really interesting. Cause I, you, you think that that would sort of alienate the audience and like the people you want to work with are obviously clients and not specifically designers or they can pass your work. But, um, so how does that happen then? How, how is, is it just uh, by searching the word logo design and then you put them up the top? It used to be like that, um, but, but I think you mentioned you mentioned Ian Padgett there. I think he's he's cornered the market there in the UK anyway. He's done well. Um, yeah, he's he's doing very well. It's this well. I haven't been updating my websites as much as I used to. It's it's more the client work that's kind of taking precedence now. Yeah. Um, but I intend to change that. Uh, I want to I want to put more work into my websites. You know, my portfolio needs an update. It hasn't been changed and four or five years so yeah that's that's quite a long time compared to what, what it should be you know you should you should never be happy with your portfolio and yeah i'm not happy with mine well that's that struggle isn't it like, like you say it's, it's the hardest clients yourself like when you design your own logo or when you design your own website um 
but like th- this one percent thing i'm really fascinated by it like having because someone else said it to me before before i heard it on the podcast i was like yeah not many people start podcasts not many people get themselves out there like how what was the point when you realized was it was i don't know because like what's the, what's the reason like what's the reason to start a, po- a blog like apart from getting yourself out there is there any reason is there any like is that just to me? I don't know. I don't really know what the question was. <laughs> um, well, well, I think it goes back to what, what we were saying there about, you know, not many people do it. That's, that's kind of what it was. I, I wouldn't say I was anywhere near the first person to write a design blog. It definitely wasn't. But it was, at a, it was at a point in time when it was quite still quite new. And it was 2005. So design blogs hadn't been around for too long before that, you know, maybe five know five six seven years hmm. and yeah it was i've lost the question i say what was it <laughs> um let, let's just go with this one like where does that where does that passion for starting starting um a, a blog or, or something come from because like i say not everyone does it and it's only one percent does it um so like what actually strikes that passion like we're all we're all we all loved logo design um but what have how do you get to that next level where you start a blog about it? Well, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, f- a facilitator into doing the work that you want to do, you know, because right. where where else are you going to get your clients other than well, cold cold calls, knocking on doors, that type of thing, which which can work, but I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it from my experience, and um, it's been much more beneficial for me to do good work put it out there, try and get it seen. And yeah, it's, it just seems more, it makes more sense rather than getting people to, you know, try and kind of trust you based on no background that they have. If you, if you've got a website that shows your passion, then people are going to be more likely to trust you and mm. whether or not you get the job depends on whether a client trusts you more than, whoever else they're looking at because they'll always be looking at someone else too so compare your website to the best out there and if it's not as good then just you know narrow the gap a bit okay that's good yeah so i did that once i compared myself to pentagram and i started like changing it to make it look a bit more like them i'll try not uh-huh. to copy them but uh, like the layout and stuff like like you've got a really nice like clean layout at the moment i was like oh, that works really well um but yeah it's interesting it's interesting to do that and uh so that do you, do you still do all the blogs today then? Cause you say you, you, you do it less now. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, I, I would update each blog. I have three and I would update them maybe once every couple of weeks. Okay. It used to be almost every day or every other day. Yeah. So it took up a lot more of my time in the past, but, but not so much now. Yeah, because I remember in IT class, like, I used to, because we were having access to computers, I used to go on it. I used to be on the, on the blog, and um, when we start the lesson, you used to have five minutes or so. As well, on the first website, I used to go to Logo Design Love. It's amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool to speak to the guy who created it. And I always used to see Ian. Ian was always like really good at commenting on them as well. Like, he's always like, pretty much straight on there. Um, yes, yes. And all the comments are really appreciated because not only do they help me realize that somebody actually reads the posts but it also adds a little bit to the, to the page you know because if there's questions posed or if it's controversial work the comments can always be interesting too yeah 
have you always been like a writer or because you've written three books now you've got blogs you've got everything well i've got i i do call myself a writer but my first book the the first edition of logo design of that was in 2008 that i wrote that and I definitely wouldn't have called myself a writer then. And if you'd have seen the feedback that I was getting from my editor, you you would have you'd absolutely agree with me because it's it's the it's the kind of you know when you you submit your homework to the teacher and it comes back red marks all over it. You know that's, that was the type of thing that it was. What what sort of books do you read at the moment? Is it mainly just logo stuff or I like to read other stuff? No, no, it's not a lot of logo, not a lot of design stuff at all actually. And um, lately, I find myself getting into more work to do with how societies function, um, which is quite different, you know. And I watch quite a lot of uh, interviews with people like Noam Chomsky and um, Sam Harris and yeah, things like that. So it's definitely beneficial for any designer to put themselves outside the design sphere. You know, don't take up all your time working on or re learning about design because the more you know about other areas then the better you can the better the work you can produce for your clients because it's all about curiosity really when it comes down to it yeah because yeah. so I, I, I don't really listen to a lot of design podcasts um obviously probably because i do one um you like you, you, you're listening talking about design all the time and you're like another conversation yeah. about design i'll skip that one <laughs> um, yeah. but uh you like joe rogan big influence in my life and you've got jordan peterson like people like that those sort of conversations same you're having really important yeah. the jordan jordan peterson's interview with kathy newman on channel four you yeah. seen that one? yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, 14 million times now or something it's crazy yeah it's not not the greatest interview or like a very biased one yeah yeah a lot of the, a lot of the interviews with him seem to be the, the interviewee the interviewees are are attacking or the interviewers sorry yeah they, Try and put him on the back foot all the time, but he, yeah, he's, he's an intelligent man, interesting to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. He, like, he just knows a lot of stuff about other countries as well, which I find cool. Like, when he comes over here, he knows our system. He knows because he was on um, Question Time and, he, and like, he knew it. He knew he'd obviously done his research. And he's the stuff about Scandinavia as well. He, he clearly knows what's going on around the world. And yeah, very, very yeah. yeah. I missed that episode of Question Time. I used to watch it a lot more than I do now because. This, there's so much propaganda that comes out from the BBC, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I only listened to that one, one that one, because he was on it. Um, I was in the audience once in question time when I came over to Belfast, and uh, one of my questions was was picked. Actually, it was it was it was a good experience, and it didn't seem to me then that it was that it was biased. But then, when you see some people appear in the audience over and over again, and they're the ones that are you know pointed out, yeah. yeah. For their for their opinions, it just makes it seem a bit more fake. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was I was talking to my auntie. This is interesting. I've just gone completely away from design, but um, I was talking to my auntie about uh, about YouTube, and she was trying to argue that the BBC is is um, more pure, more more pure than YouTube. And it's like it, it's not it, YouTube and BBC are completely different. Like the BBC is is something that's on YouTube these days. And um, they're just another TV channel on YouTube, and they got YouTube, which is gives you so many different varieties and so many different opinions, and it's, mm -hmm. um, it's amazing. You can you can watch what you want. I think her point was like, you know, they do filter it, so you get tiered systems and rankings, which obviously every platform has to do. It's like Google. Um, otherwise, you know, you can't just have a page with a million view, pay a million 
like videos in front of you, otherwise you won't be able to see which ones you're watching. But, yeah. But it's, it, yeah, like I think our argument was like, yeah, but they're all doing it for their agenda. They're all doing it to make money. Uh, yes, like that's a big company's point. That's that's what they're trying to do. They're, everyone's trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's so much. There's so much cool stuff on YouTube, and, and the fact that you can go and watch Jordan Peterson being argued down, and then go and watch another video where he's you know, on top, and like there's a massive Jordan Peterson fan making him look brilliant. Like they're completely the opposite way. Um, it's just yeah. nice have both views. Yeah, you, you get you get both sides. You know, if you, if you, whereas if you're focused on solely on BBC or any other mainstream yeah, TV, channel, yeah. Yeah, you're just you're you're told what they want you to hear most of the time. So yeah, it's it's important to to look at both sides of the story. Yeah, that's it. Especially that that argument between TV and YouTube, and, and yeah, I think YouTube just just destroys on TV. Like it's it's just so much more you can see. There's so much different different uh, varieties, and it's for all audiences and kids as well. And yeah, they've they've done a great job. But um, anyway, I don't know where that went. Um, Let's talk, let's talk about the book. So uh, it starts with a Paul Rand quote. How how much have you been influenced by Paul Rand? Uh, well, I've I've read I've read a, a book of his and I admire his work greatly and I admire his ability to show clients that he knows what he's doing. Um, whereas. Clients will always want to have, well, the clients that I've dealt with anyway, they'll always want to have um, their own input into the, into the outcome, which is important to an extent. Um, but you've got, to, you've got to tell them that you know what you're doing. Um, you've got to explain to them that they need to put faith in you. So, yeah, Paul Rand was one of the, the best at doing that. You know, if you've seen his, his the Steve Jobs interview, you know, where he said something like, oh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but. Steve Jobs basically, Paul Rand said to him, you know, I'm going to give you one option and you can choose to use it. If you, if you don't want to use it, that's up to you. Um, I, I, I wouldn't go that far with my clients. You know, I would always give them the option of hiring me for more than one option or for more than one design. You know, if, if I'm making a presentation, I will generally give a right and a left so they have something to choose from. Um, but sometimes if clients don't have the budget initially, I could say, well, what, what you could do is put, put a bit more trust in me and I will focus on one. And then if you don't like it, you know, we can go around, some, we can you know, tweak it a little bit. But if they have more of a budget, then I'll, I'll come up with a second idea or third idea, but never more than that. What, what did you think of that Paul Rand? Was it the um, next thing when they said, um, I'm going to charge you a million dollars, and that's that's final sort of thing. Uh, I, I I don't I can't remember how much he charged, but it was the next logo that that Steve Jobs was talking about. Yeah, and um, there was one project I swear when when Paul Ryan said, "Um, my work's like worth a million. I should I should know the quote. It's bad of me, but um, I put my 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 work's like worth a million pounds or million dollars, and that's that's how much I'm going to charge you for it." I don't know. I can't. I have to look it up. Oh, that's really annoying me now. Well, he, he was, you know, one of the world's most renowned designers. So, but yeah. So, so when dealing with clients, obviously the book talks about it as well. Like talks about pricing and stuff. Um, how how do you negotiate pricing? Because it seems like a lot of agencies charge a lot of different prices. With your approach, have you learned anything from speaking to these agencies on how to get like a definitive answer for pricing? Is there like an actual figure that a design is worth? Is it, or is it just? Um, just depend on who the client is and, and who the designer is. 
Is it should it should it be a specific figure for a logo design? Well, I think it will always depend on who the designer is. That you know, you you set your prices. Whether or not a client can afford that is another thing. But you you want to attract the clients that can pay you what you're worth. Mm. And in order to figure out what you're worth, you need to start somewhere. So for me, it was a case of building it from an hourly rate and decide and figure out how, how many hours I was going to spend on the project and then adding on a little bit more for the downtime when I wouldn't have any clients. And I started there and then over the years, just gradually increased it and kept going, kept going because your work gets better. And as that happens, then the clients budgets tend to get better because people can, people know that people know good design when they see it, even when they're not designers, not, not all the time, but, Generally, especially with the clients that want to pay good money, you know, they they'll look they look at who knows how many portfolios before deciding to hire you. So, yeah, they, they'll they'll have a good idea of what they're looking for. Is that doing the blogs? Has that helped doing that? Because you're commenting on good design. Has that helped get better clients? Yeah, I think so because it's uh, yeah, people clients will find me through the, through the blog posts and what even when it's other people's work that's focused, that's featured in that, I would say more often than not, the, the, the people responsible for the work, they'll get the, they'll get the clients instead, right. which well, that's fine by me too. If I can point clients someone's way, then brilliant. Yeah. Um, at, when, you, when you're dealing with a client, how does, it, how does your process work? And does it differ from these big agencies that you've got in the book? It, it, yeah, I'm sure it'll differ a little, but not too much. Um, there are generally four stages that I work through, which are very similar to OCDs in in the book. You know, there's there's um, there's research, strategy, design, and implementation, and that rationale. Though those words probably came directly from OCD, but it's what I was doing. You know, and I don't know of any project that I've done that hasn't really involved that, other than the implementation part at the end. Sometimes that would be left entirely down to a client. You know, they would deal with printers. They would, they might um, deal with even people that launch websites for them if that's not something that I take care of. So yeah, research strategy, which is essentially having a plan, and then design. Um, definitely, that's all. Uh, that's what I do, and then implementation. Sometimes, yeah. Could you go into a bit more re- a bit more detail about each each stage? Well, research is essentially finding out as much as you can about the client in the time that you have, because there has to be a time, a time limit set on it. Otherwise you could keep researching until you were, until you knew as much, well, not as much, but almost as much as the people who are in charge of the business. So, and um, that might be a week. It might be a month. Um, and the design as- or the strategy aspect is essentially taking all the research that you have and figuring out where the client wants to go and how they're going to get there and what what is going to work best in terms of the design um, and then once you have that plan in place it's agreed upon with the client then you can work on the design so that you're you're not left producing something that the client you know hates so yeah so it's a, it's a chronological order and um, the but will be if you get to one step one stage you might find yourself moving back a little bit uh, it, so there's flexibility but yeah taking them taking them steps and Usually you can't go too much wrong. Yeah, so so following that process is definitely good then. Is that something you recommend for young designers as well? 
Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, every every project has to have a process. You can't just jump straight into the design. Otherwise, you'll just frustrate yourself when when nobody likes what you what you create. Nice. That's good. Um, so, so the book itself, like, could you talk me through like, the process of making it and how long it took to write? Well, it's it's aimed at designers as well as business owners, and the idea was that it shows it shows how to create a, a visual identity from start to finish, um, from client approach and how you find them right through to how how the work is rolled out and how success is measured at the end. So it, it goes into details such as the terms and conditions that you might have with your clients um, through to pricing and how your price how your price might change over time and how you come up with ideas how you interpret the brief from the client and how you narrow the focus and yeah there's there's a lot inside anything any questions that you have about visual identity hopefully will be answered in at least at least half of the 16 case studies so now that, that, that was the idea so and and to focus it on or to aim it at designers as well as business owners i thought would be helpful in well in getting more sales as well as getting more attention to the studios inside yeah no that's true yeah i mean the more people that you can, you can appeal to yeah it's obviously gonna get more sales so uh, how's it going? How's the sales going? <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. It's it's still not selling quite as well as logo design love, which was uh, uh, which is uh, interesting. But hopefully, hopefully, sales will pick up um, whenever it gets back in the stock on the UK on the UK website. Um, Maybe that's the reason. Maybe people are waiting for it to get back in stock. Perhaps, but there's there's all I could I could be doing more to promote it as well. Um, Personal issues, you know, with, the, with my marriage separation, have kind of affected things. That 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 came in. Well, that was something that started halfway through when I was writing the book, which, yeah, which was which made things quite a bit more of a challenge than they might have been otherwise. Mm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why my websites have, take, have taken a bit of downtime as well. But yeah, better times are ahead, and yeah, hopefully. Hopefully anyone that reads the book will find it useful. I've got some great feedback from it so far and, and the few reviews that there are on Amazon have been brilliant too. So yeah, I have no complaints at all. That's fantastic, yeah. Um, for people who are struggling with time management and, and balancing family life and everything, because I've had a few things going on, family stuff, and everyone does. Everyone has family stuff going on. Um, has you got any tips for balancing your workload and family life? I'm not sure, because it's been, it's been something I've been struggling with a bit recently uh, focus it's important to to keep yourself healthy so if you find that if you think you're spending too long doing one thing then change um, because your mindset plays a, a huge role a huge part in the quality of the work and the quality of your relationships so it's it's really a an individual thing if you if you find yourself getting into a rut one thing that helps me personally is um, just moving, is get, getting some exercise, whether that's even just going out for a walk or going for a run or lifting a few weights or, yeah, or missing my days of playing football and, <laughs> and trying to compensate some other way. Um, it's, I, don't, I don't know, it's, it's really a, an individual thing that, but 
No, you're right about the, the getting fit and staying healthy. I think that's um, especially for people in desk jobs like us. We we need to do it. We need to get up and move around. Um, we have too many people that I see in, in, in this community, especially like just don't do any exercise, and it and it's it would free their brains. It would. I when I'm in the gym, I don't think about work. I'm just I'm just just on the weights. I'm just on the music in my ears, and just on the podcast I'm listening to, and it's fantastic. It really does. Like 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 when I'm playing football, it's it's an escape from the real yeah. world. Yeah, and that's so important. Uh, I've, had, I've had a few swims recently, and that's one of the things that I think about afterwards when I'm, when I'm leaving the pool is that I wasn't thinking about anything, really. I was just focused on swimming. So it's, it's, kind, of like a, it's kind of like a meditation, really. That's, um, it. that's a good way of doing it. That'd be a great, yeah. name for, um, great name for a podcast or YouTube channel, the football meditation. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, something for the future. Yeah. Um, so what's the result of the book? Uh, like what's, what would you hope to get out of it? Not hope. Well, hopefully it will help me to attract more of the clients that I want to get in the future too. Um, and hopefully it will, it will raise the game of the people who read it because it's, it's something that I want to read again, even though I wrote, even though I kind of put it together, I want to sit down and go through it because even my other two books, I could read them again and probably forget that most of the words came out of my mouth. Um, because my, uh, it's one of those things, I, I could watch a film and then a few years later, forget most of it and watch it again. It would always be like watching it from scratch. You know, I don't know if that's the same. Well, my memory isn't, isn't that great. I can remember the important things, but when it comes to you know, small details, it's good to get that reminder now again. Uh, so yeah, I'll go through the book and I'll up my game. I'll hopefully get some more great clients. Um, and if I can do the same for anyone who picks it up and yeah, that, that's like a cherry on top. Nice. Uh, there's a few things that I really love about the book. First of all, just like the quality of it. And it's like one of those big coffee table books where it's hard back. It's, it's just, it's just well made as well. Uh, what was like? Because your other one, yeah, it's, it's paper. Did you do uh, this in hardback as well? Or not? No, it's just, no. Yeah. No. So what's your yeah. decision of upgrading on that? What was what? Sorry. What was what was the right reasoning for upgrading on on the uh, on the printing and everything? I think it was a suggestion from my publisher. Uh, I was expecting it to be paperback. Yeah. And and they pitched it. They they said, yeah, we could do the first run in in a hardcover. And, and I thought, brilliant! No, it wasn't. It wasn't something that I was thinking about. Um, but um, um, it just gives it a bit, a bit more. What's the word? I don't know. But it, it does look more quality. I'm really pleased with how it turned out. Yeah. I've got a, got a copy of it here, and and there have been a couple of a couple of readers have kindly gotten touched to point out a couple of typos, which which wasn't, which wasn't ideal. And so if you, if you see one, apologies for those. Um, but they'll be fixed. They'll be fixed in the next, in the next print run. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased. There's so many good books out there. There's so many good typos. Like the latest um, uh, Lance Wyman and uh, Unit Editions book, on the spine of the book, they had a typo on the word process. They missed off an S. Oh, no. Yeah, on the oh, spine of the book. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Thankfully, the cover's okay. There aren't any typos in the cover, but 
Uh, yeah, that, that would be frustrating. But it happens to all of us. Everyone makes mistakes. So it's true. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really like about it is the uh, the key points bit parts on each chapter. Uh, the key points, like because I'm I'm a reader where I like to flick through books and and maybe not read it all. So if you've got a key points section at the end of each chapter, that's really really handy. I pick up the best bits. So, uh, so yeah, thank you for doing that. Good, good, I'm glad. Yeah, and I I should also give a shout out to Alina Wheeler, yeah. the author of Design and Brand Identity, because um. On the, on the back cover, you'll see there are a couple of testimonials from, from other people. Yeah. Hers is one of them. And so she, she would have received a, a PDF of the book you know, before it was printed. And she was giving me some feedback on the design as well. And, and yeah, she was, she was a great help there. As, as were anyone else, as, was, as were the other people who gave me some comments, like Saggy Habib, Koi Finn, um, there was Bernadette and look who they have features on the on the website their quotes are listed there but there wasn't enough room on the back cover for theirs too unfortunately some big names some big names nice so with that with that you're literally just sending out to them and then asking for an opinion or how does, how does that work yeah. yeah just sending them the, the pdf the in progress pdf because it wasn't quite finished and asking if they had time to give me some some feedback for the for the cover or for their promotions that's cool. And thankfully, thankfully they did. Yeah. So cool. it's like, 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 like you said at the start, it's like the whole industry is, is really nice and they're all really friendly and, and well, most of the people and, um, and, and yeah, they're willing to help most of the time. So it's great. It's great that you've got massive people like that are willing to help. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And uh, most of the people that I've come in contact with have been brilliant too. It's one of the things that I love about being in the design profession, not just that I love the job, but the people involved in it. Because they love the job too, they tend to be pretty friendly. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything you learned from making this book? Well, other than other than the advice that's given from all the studios, um, yeah, proof it one more time before <laughs> before it's printed. I think I think I read it twice. I had a proofreader at my publisher as well, um, but I, I got it after the proofreader saw it, and I was picking up on a few things that they missed. But unfortunately, yeah, there are there are a few things that I missed too. But yeah, other than, other than well, the, the big the big takeaway is what's in, what's inside. You know what what the design studios have shared, yes. which is massive because you generally don't get that level of detail in in any portfolio case study. So hopefully, hopefully people will pick it up and and think that it, it's for the price. It's massively valuable. I, I think it is. I, I would pay a lot more for that. I think it's, it's less than $20 on Amazon.com at the minute. And just for the quality of book as well, for the quality of print, I think that's a, a fantastic price. And it's not, I, I, I'm not just saying that because, because I get royalties. No, no, you're right. I mean, I think both your books, I mean, I haven't read the first, the logo design love, but the, both of those books, like the work for money, design for love, like that's, that could be a hundred dollars easily. Cause like the, the amount of like, it's basically a walkthrough. I'd start a freelance business. So, it's um yeah it's very very i mean if you did a video like reading this if you did like an audio book of this I, there you go they could sell that so, <laughs> some bad time reading <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah that's awesome thank you very much and um, last couple of questions first of all what's your best bit of advice to creatives hmm. be careful who you take advice off <laughs> 
you know, everyone has opinion, an opinion when it comes to design, um, and some opinions are more valuable than others. Interesting. Who are you allowed to say like, like other people and who would you would? Rank I'm not. I'm not um, thinking of any names in particular. I'm thinking more of uh, social media and the impact that that's having on people's work. When you put something online, you know, strangers who you'll never meet who you'll never find out anything about can tear something to shreds and you know that can have an impact so you've you've an impact on you on your mindset that you just got to be careful about yeah pay more attention to the opinions of people who are in the trenches with you rather than somebody who is uh, you know won't even share a, a website or you know doesn't have one or doesn't put up a profile photo that type of thing that's good advice. Um, what's your best purchase under a hundred pounds? Hmm. Well, we were talking about how we spend a lot of time sitting at desks, and I, I get quite, I get quite tight in my shoulders yeah. if I'm down for too long. So there's a there's a massager that I use. It's an electric thing that just has two rotating balls on it that I can lie back and put my shoulders on. I've been I've been on some. I used to go for massages. But what I found was that the person doing it, they would, they would work on my shoulder knots for a while, but then they would move on to somewhere else and it would never be long enough. But with this little massager, it's just a little thing, you know, about the size of this book, really. And it costs 40 quid. And yeah, it really helps to relieve some tension, you know, because headaches is another thing that I get now and again. And I know that part of that is down to tension in my shoulders and neck so yeah it's it's, it's important to kind of free yeah. up my shoulders as much as possible yeah that, that, that was a good purchase absolutely um yeah like we said about it before like it's definitely good to get up and i say it every hour but obviously if you're in working and you've you got a head down you can't do it every hour but um yeah get up move around drink water um get away from the screen it's good advice yeah yeah good good advice good purchase yeah uh what are some good values to live by? Hmm. Getting, getting deep here. Yeah, the last two questions are. Treat people the way you want to be treated, really. And always remember that people have a lot of, people can have a lot of bad things going on in their lives. Don't take things too personally if someone hits out for any reason. Or I think it was Steve Jobs who might have said something like, make a dent in the universe. But for me, that's that. Personally, that's that's too big. I, I I would much rather focus on making a difference in the area around me, you know, family, friends, yeah, and even just you know people at, at the the shopping till, you know, when you're when you're buying some groceries or whatever. If you can make make someone smile in a in a random encounter, you know, that's 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 a good way to pass on a little bit of brightness. That's nice. Uh, I think you've probably already answered this question with that, but um, how do you want to be remembered? Hmm. As a good parent, as a good son, as a good brother, and a good friend. That's lovely. Really good. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on the podcast. You're welcome, Mark. Thanks very much for having me. Can people find you and read your blogs, read your books, everything. <laughs> Uh, if you search for my name, David Airy, A-I-R-E-Y, I'll do it. 
Awesome. Have you ever thought about bringing out a podcast? <laughs> I've thought about doing a, an online course, a video course, That'd be cool. based, on, based on the book. Um, I, was, I was toying with the idea before this latest book, but then I thought, I don't know enough. So what, it would be great to um, get advice from design studios around the world and then put that all together and do an online course. So, so that, that might be something that I work on later this year. Okay, exciting. All right, sounds good. Looking forward to it if that happens. Uh, yeah, thanks very much again for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Like I said before, down in the description below, there's a couple of ways to help out the show. Any of those would be really appreciated. We've now also got a Discord group, so get involved in the conversation for all the Creative Waffle Podcast listeners. So if you're listening along, there'll be a link down in the description uh, for that, for the Discord group. You can click on that and get invited into the group. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening along or watching along. Hope you enjoyed it. Please do give it a thumbs up or, or share or leave a review. It really, really does help. I'll see you next week for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Thank you.